Wow, I don't know if that was a uh, promo to become one of the video announcers or if it was a promo to discourage becoming one of the video announcers. Well, good morning. It is a uh, privilege to be standing here in front of you today and getting to share with you the message and the word. I hope to give you a glimpse of what we did this week, talked about. As you can tell, the theme this year, Gadgets and Gizmo, and the big robot is actually Gidget. Gidget fits in with Gadget and Gizmo. So this week we talked about uniquely wired and wonderfully made, how each of us are gifted exactly and made how exactly God wanted us to be. We don't have to change that. We just have to live in that. So I want to share a little bit with you about that today. Kids, are you ready? Kids, are you ready? All right. We're all kids. We're all kids. Hey, I want to share with you some of the unique ways in which we are made up. Some of you parents are going to love some of these because you experience this every day day. Do we have anybody that's ever had a four-year-old in their home? Raise your hand. Any four-year-olds recently in your home? Did you know, on average, a four-year-old will ask, you ready for this, 450 questions a day? All right, by a show of hands now, how many have already hit that limit before you ever got here this morning? That's right. Yeah. I have teenagers in my home. And I think they asked just as many, that's for sure. Your nose can remember 50,000 different scents. Not all are good, just so you know, but they do remember all of them. An adult human is made up of seven octillion atoms. Okay, where are my math people? How many zeros is that? Octillion. How many zeros? A lot. That's it. Nailed it. Nailed it. I hope that came from a school teacher. Do you know that your ears and your nose never stop growing? Well, don't look at mine. I mean, mine are still growing. Now, now you're going to make me self-conscious. I'm going to be standing up here trying to hide my ears and nose. Do you know that when you're awake, your brain produces enough electricity to power a small light bulb? Not all of our brains, I think, actually can do that. But I think on average, I like the average, the word in there, average, because there are days that my brain cannot do that. Your brain uses 20% of the total oxygen your, that your blood carries in your body. All right, you ready? We all have, have realized this before, hopefully not by the police department, but these things on the end of your fingers, all these little different curves and the fingerprint that our finger leaves behind is, is unique to you. You could go around the room here and as much as you would try to find your hand twin or your finger twin, you won't find one. It's unique to you. Nobody else has that. In 30 minutes, the human body gives off enough heat to bring a gallon of water to a boil. Yeah, that's unique. Your skin, this one's a little gross, <laughs> but I kept it in there anyways just because it's funny. Your skin completely replaces the outside layer every month. Last month when I got burned when we went to the beaches in California, I think it replaced it twice to be honest. In your whole lifetime, you will shed 40 pounds of skin. <laughs> 40 pounds of skin. Actually, and did you know that the most of the uh, dust you find underneath your bed? I won't even go there. <laughs> We're unique. We're made 
unique. And to think about all these little intricate details that went into making the body. God made us this way. So I know for a lot of us, when we wake up, we look at things. We may look in the mirror. I try not to in the mornings. When I look in the mirror, though, I see this is how God has made me. Now, throughout the day, I may do things to try to change that. I may comb my hair this way today, that way tomorrow. But ultimately, this is how God made me. And I am stuck with this. Now, here's the thing. Too many times we try to change what God has done because we're not happy with what he's doing with us, in us, or through us. Why? Well, it's kind of where we went this week. And so on Monday, we talked about the fact how we are made by God. If you've ever had a chance to read the creation story at the very beginning of your Bible in Genesis, God goes through five days of creating everything we know on earth. And then day six, we sometimes scratch our heads and think, man, what was he thinking? But on day six, he made his greatest creation. That's us. He was so exhausted, he rested on day seven. And all the parents know that one's for sure. But he made us on day six. He made us. He put us over everything. And I love what the psalmist, what David says in the psalm here. Lord, you have seen what is in my heart. You know all about me. Now, there are things that we do sometimes that we try to hide and we don't want friends to know and people to know. And for most of us, if we really sit back and think about it, there's probably one or two things that we know about ourselves that a lot of people don't. I don't share with very many people, but I love Pinterest. It's exactly why I don't share that with very many people. Because those were some very uncomfortable chuckles. I'm not sure if you were laughing with me or at me, but I'll take them however it was. But the writer, but David was pointing out this important fact that God knows all about us. There's not a little detail about us that he doesn't know. Cares about us all the way down to the hairs on our head, the days of our lives, everything that goes in and out of making us. Psalm 139, 13 through 14 says, you created the deepest part of my being. You put me together inside my mother's body. How you made me is amazing and wonderful. And I praise you for that. What you have done is wonderful and I know that very well. See, too many times we chase around this idea of trying to change who we are to be something that either somebody else wants us to be or what we think will make us better. But God says here, I, I, I've made you exactly how I want you to be. I don't know about you, but I, I've got to be honest, I do struggle with that. There are times I want to be better at something else instead of living into what God wants me to be. Sometimes I, I wish my mind worked as like Pastor Dave's. No, I don't. No, I'm just kidding. No, I mean, there are people that I'm with sometimes. There are friends I'm with that I begin to form and shape to what they have or what they're doing because I want to be like that. Sometimes I have to catch myself. I have to back up and be like, wait, 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 wait. I may not be as smart as that person, but this is who God has made me. And I get to live in that because God is able to work in and through me to make me what he wants me to be. On day two, God made us to trust him. It's pretty simple. He made us. 
Now he's made us to trust him. And we, we talked about the story of Jesus healing the blind man. Now, I don't know how much you've really kind of thought about this story, but as I was teaching with the kids, some things just hit me this week. You just, just, okay, just close your eyes for a second. And imagine you hear somebody working up the wettest loogie you've ever heard in your life. I, I mean, this is what the blind man has to be hearing at this point. But the fact is, as we read through this story, as Jesus spits in the mud, makes the mud, rubs it on the man's eyes, we know that the man goes off, washes his eyes out, and is able to see. Now that is some trust. The story goes on to tell us and the, the parts that this guy realized, this blind man, the things that came to him. Now remember at this time that the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus. When Jesus comes to earth, he rocked this world. Because some of the things that he stood up against and stood up to really made some people upset. And so as the Pharisees are trying to trap him, man, they're chasing this blind man all over town trying to figure out what is going on, who is this man, because, I mean, no sinner would ever work on the Sabbath. And so as they're trying to trap Jesus, I, I love the line that this blind man gives. And he tells, oh, oh, sorry, I turned it too quickly. When he's still trying to figure out who this is, the blind man says, I, I'm not sure who the man is, but I do know this. I was blind, and now I can see. See, the reality is, as the blind man becomes closer to Jesus, and Jesus connects with him after this has happened. Now, remember, the blind man, as he was muddy, went off to wash his eyes. He has never seen Jesus. He's heard the voice of Jesus, but he's never seen Jesus. So when Jesus confronts him of who this is that helped him and healed him, He's, even as Jesus is asking, he's still not certain. But then Jesus introduces himself as who he is, and the blind man becomes a believer and puts his trust wholeheartedly in Jesus. On day three, God made you to follow Jesus. God made you, God made you to trust him, God made you to follow Jesus. This is a story of Nicodemus the Pharisee. It's interesting how the Pharisees are constantly coming after Jesus. Well, the Pharisees were, were thought to know everything. They were the teachers. They were the informers. So people would go to them for knowledge. Well, this Pharisee Nicodemus sneaks out one night. He goes to find Jesus because at nighttime... You can hide a little easier. And he doesn't want others knowing the fact that I, he's going to see Jesus. So we realize through the life of Nicodemus that Jesus tells him that no man, no person, no one can see God's kingdom unless they are born again. That has got to be one of the weirdest statements Nicodemus could ever hear. Because in his mind, all he can think about is this fact that, wait, I've got to go back into my mother's womb again and I've got to be born again? I don't know about you, I don't care to revisit my teenage years again. <laughs> Let alone go back even further past that and become a baby again. So Jesus begins to speak into this idea that it is not about the physical rebirthing, but it is about the spiritual birthing. And what Jesus comes to do 
We don't know the full story of Nicodemus, but we know there are some facts about Nicodemus as he begins to defend and step up for Jesus and that he begins following Jesus. I think he does that kind of quietly because he doesn't want to be caught. This is the day that we also talk about salvation. See, we have an incredible opportunity and privilege For a lot of us in this room, there has been a day and a time stamped in our life that we can talk about that rebirthing, the time that we gave our lives and committed our lives to Christ. I'd also be willing to say there's probably people in this congregation this morning that have not had that opportunity. Jesus came, he lived on this earth, gave his life for us all of us, that we can choose to follow him. See, the thing that was kind of weird for me with this robot idea is when I think about robots, I think about being programmed, and you are set this exact way. That's not how our creator made us. Though he placed things inside of us that where we desire him and we want to be with him, he does not make it mandatory. He does not dictate that down to us. But he sits waiting patiently for us to accept that. So I don't know about you, but if you have never had the opportunity to accept Jesus, man, I, I would love to go have coffee with you. I would love to tell you more about my Jesus and what he has done, not only for me and in my life, how it has changed and impacted me, but how the same Jesus desires to, for your heart and wants you to follow him as well. I'm always up for a cup of coffee that's a conversation you'd like to have, please ask me. So on day four, we talked about the Good Samaritan. This story is always kind of fun to tell because as a a pastor, it's sometimes humbling that I have to check myself. Because when we talk about this, there's a man walking down the road who's beaten by three robbers. The first person that comes up to him is Jesus. This is a parable that Jesus is telling. It's a story that Jesus is telling so people can understand. But as, it, as, as the first person that comes by, the first person is a priest. And now this priest, it, it, you know, we're thinking, man, a pastor, if he's coming down a road, a pastor's going to stop and help this poor man who's been beaten, right? Unfortunately, in this parable that Jesus talks about, as he's talking about who is our neighbor and who are we supposed to help and who are we supposed to, the priest actually is a little too busy. So he walks around other side of the road, and keeps heading out. Now, the second guy that walks by is the second guy that you would expect would also stop and help. He's a Levite. Now, the Levites were known for helping in, 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 helping in the teaching with the priest. So we got a, a priest, so we got a pastor, and we got an associate pastor. Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, man. Better make it a good one. <laughs> Is it being recorded? No, just kidding. Both of these guys walk on the opposite side of the road. Now, the, the funny thing is I throw myself in that category. How many times am I too busy to stop? How many times am I too busy that I see, oh, man, that's going to be messy. That could cost me a little bit of time, maybe even a little bit of money. I'm going to tiptoe around that so I don't have to deal with that. I think sometimes we have to check ourselves on that. Then the third person that walks by 
is the third person that walks up. The least likely person to stop and help a Jew at this time is a Samaritan. Now I'm thinking as the guy is laying on the ground, if he's able to see, he sees a Samaritan walking up. You know what he's probably thinking? This guy's here to put me the rest of the way out. I mean, these are two groups of people that honestly just hated each other. But instead, the Samaritan bends down and begins to care and aid for this man. John 3 tells us, I'm sorry, sorry, wrong passage. Where was it at? Sorry. Sorry, there it is. Luke 10 tells us that when the Samaritan saw him, he knelt down. He says he felt sorry for him. Sometimes we don't have that emotion because we're too worried about our own. Uh, we've, my wife is so much better at this than me. And I know that God has placed her in my life. This is one of the many reasons he's placed her in my life. But she's able to see far more than I could ever see. For some reason, I am wired that I, I'm just on the go. So if I ever walk by you and I don't acknowledge you, I'm sorry. But I know that when my wife sees need, she doesn't tiptoe to it. She cannonballs into that thing. And I've watched her minister to people over the last couple of years, and I've watched how God has continued to shape her heart as she jumps into those situations. And in my mind, I'm thinking, man, all the safety issues that can be taking place here, I mean, you got to be... But I watch how God moves her to minister and show his love and his care for these people. The Samaritan takes this man up, bandages his wounds, takes him to the inn, pays for his room and board, and promises to come back for anything else. The reality is when we start to help people, it's going to cost us something going to cost us time. It may cost us resources. On day five, we talked about God made you to shine. So we talked about the passage uh, in Matthew talking about the salt and the light. And we had fun in here with glow sticks. What better way to teach salt and light than with glow sticks? Sorry, I should have gotten more this morning for you. The sound of hearing glow sticks just crack across the congregation as kids chose to let their light shine for what God has called them was one of the most incredible sounds I've ever heard. They accepted that call that Jesus said, I want to use you to be the light in a dark world. They cracked those sticks. I mean, it was just, it's all you heard. There was no talking, there was no conversation, but you just hear a bunch of cracking of glow sticks. So some of you this morning have that relationship and have had that relationship with Christ for a long time. So this morning I want to talk about how God made you to be like him. And I'm not going to take long because I've already taken quite a bit of your time. But here's what I want to do before I even start speaking. I want you to kind of find and see the uniqueness in which he made us in. So I'm not going to ask you to get up and move around. But I want you to just talk to the person next to you. Maybe somebody you came with may not be. And I want you to ask them what the highlight of their week this week was. Okay? Go ahead and do that. And I want you to see how unique we are made.
What was the highlight of your week? What was the highlight? What about it? All right. That's a great question. I'll come back to that. Well, here's, here's my guess. I don't want to interrupt your, your talking time. You can pick that up in just a few minutes because we're all going to have lunch together today. But my guess would be what you just heard from someone next to you is not the same exact story that you had that was your positive for the week. Now, we only touched on positives. I wish we had the time that you could each share with each other some of the things that brought you down this week. Because when we come together as a body, the opportunity we have is to lean on one another. And that's the conversation I hope you continue with sometime today. The things that kind of took the wind right out of you. But God made you like him. Genesis 1, 26 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. I love that passage, especially this week, because not only has it been Camp Extreme Week, but it's also been Shark Week. I love Shark Week. To think of something that, that that's, it's interesting to me that he puts this passage here and tells us it's our job to oversee that. Have you seen some of these sharks? You know, 12, 15, 18 feet long? I'm not sure I'm ruling over that, but God gave us the ability to rule over that. God made us special because he modeled us after himself. No other creation on earth earth can stake that claim like we can we are modeled after him now I, I seem to think that makes him very handsome to be honest <laughs> I'm just saying 
No, we're not talking about the physical attributes of God. We are talking about the heart of God and what he has placed in us that is all him. God made us like him so that we can live for him. As a parent, I understand a glimpse of the challenges that God experiences with us. I know you all think my kids are perfect, but I have stories to tell you different. I won't share that this morning, Katie. But Hannah's not here, so we'll, no, she's kidding. There are challenges. When we, with our children, we try to raise them in a way and guide them in a direction. I am so grateful that it is not dependent on me for them to receive him. See, sometimes we think about the fact that parents are raising these kids up. And I mean, sometimes my greatest thought is, Lord, help me not screw them up. Help me not to distract them from who you have them being. Because I may be trying to guide them into what I think they should be when God's like, whoa, 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 I got a hold of this. I want them to go this way. It's one of the scariest things. Some of you out here who are grandparents, you're probably thinking the same way. Man, my kids, I did great with. But now you're beginning to pray and see the life of your grandkids or great-grandkids. And you're thinking, God, I I want the same for them. That's what I love about this week. We take a week to push pause on life for three hours a day. We show up in this building and give all of our heart, all of our mind, and all of our body straight to who he is which is what you've done this morning as well. You've pushed pause on whatever is outside that door. You're made just like him. He's created you to have his heart so that we can see past ourselves and see into the lives of others. God made you. God made you to trust Jesus. God made you to follow Jesus. God made you to help others. And God made you to shine his light. First Peter 2.9. However, you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people who belong to God. You were chosen to tell about his excellent qualities of God, who called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light. It is not our light that we shine. We get the privilege to shine his light of things that he's doing through us. This week, we, um, our offering project was for the shoe that grows. I don't know how many of you are familiar with that project. And it was interesting because as the week kind of built up, every year we have this fun offering challenge, boys against girls. Girls. But I'm amazed at how as these messages went along, I, I hadn't really placed it till I was studying for, for today, about how these messages built how we're like God, how I watched the kids and their hearts transform into what God's saying to them. I want to share with you a, a video clip that gives you a vindication what the shoe that grows actually does. It's only about a minute and a half, but I want to give you an indication of, man, what were we, what were we taking funds for this week? What were we trying to gain offering for and I want to share with you the results of what these kids did 
uh, through God's help this week. So here's the video. Sometimes, compassion arrives in very practical ways. Kids' feet grow quickly. As a result, kids living in poverty around the world often outgrow shoes and are left with no option but to go barefoot or wear shoes that don't fit. The shoe that grows is an advance in footwear that allows a child to always have a pair of shoes that fit. We know the importance for children in developing countries to have proper footwear, and we know the shoe that grows is the solution to this problem. But how does it work? The shoe can grow in three main places. First, the front can grow with the adjustable toe piece. Second, the sides have snaps that allow it to expand. And finally, the back grows using the expandable heel strap. Using these three expansion methods, the shoe can grow five sizes, ensuring kids can always have a pair of shoes that fit, protecting their feet from the dangers of contaminated soils and diseases. In addition to five sizes of growth, the shoe will last five years. High quality materials enable this long lifespan. The sole is made of compressed rubber, while the upper is made using high quality leather and heavy duty snaps. Children around the world can have a better shoe, a shoe that will always fit, a shoe that keeps going, and growing. The shoe that grows is an incredible tool in the fight to keep children healthy and happy, giving them more opportunity to have success in their lives. Join us in our mission of practical compassion. To find out how, visit theshoethatgrows.org. So when, so when we say yes, to following him. So when we say yes to allowing him to come into our lives and change us and make us unique, this is the impact that it has. So um, it's going to be a fun phone call this week when I get to call the Shoe That Grows organization. On um, Wednesday, we had brought in $1,043, which was enough for us to buy 100 pairs of shoes or 15. No, sorry, sorry. Sorry, that was 70 pairs of shoes. Um, on Wednesday, we had enough to buy 70 pairs of shoes, and our goal was 100 pairs of shoes for the week. By Thursday, we, we did it. We hit 101 pairs of shoes. We'd brought in by Thursday $1,521, and I was thinking, God, you are good. Because at the beginning of the week, I'm like, God, I just want a goal. What, what, can, we, what can we do? And I came up with a number. And I think that was my number, if I'm honest, because I don't think it was God's number. So we had raised 1,000, I got to make sure I tell you these numbers, you got to hear this right. We had raised $1,521 by Thursday. On Friday, we brought in on Friday alone, $1,760. So at the end of it, with my, my, my tiny little goal of 100, God was working through the students and through the families of this church to purchase 212 pairs of shoes. And you can see that on the back wall out there. That's what all those little corn dog looking things are. They're actually shoes. They're not corn dogs. Um, that's what that's for. If you want to know more about the organization, there's some pamphlets and stuff out there that you can find out more about who they are and what that does. I I'm impressed. When we stop 
and we get ourselves out of the way, I'm amazed at what God can do through us when we say yes.